Welcome to the Entrepreneur's Visiting Victor podcast with Victor Dadaj, where you'll hear stories and strategies to help increase your sales and grow your business. Here's your host, Victor Dadaj. All right, welcome to Entrepreneurs Visiting Victor. I am your host, Victor Dadaj. I hope you're having an amazing day so far. Today, we have an awesome guest. She is a certified resume master who has been helping job seekers with their resumes for the past 13 years. She owns a company called Career Tuners, which is a team of skilled professionals from various industries who specialize in providing professional resumes, cover letters, LinkedIn profiles, and much more career-related services to help ambitious people land their dream jobs, and achieve their career goals. And when she's not helping her clients, she likes teaching job seekers how they can take control of their job search. And she's also put out a lot of free resources on resume writing, LinkedIn, sound negotiating, interviewing. And today, her, uh, her resume cheat sheet for instance, has gotten over 150,000 downloads. So let's welcome Fatima Mirza. How are you doing today, Fatima? Hi, I'm doing well. Thank you so much for the warm intro. That's great having you on. So I'd like to get started by asking you to please share your story. How did you wind up becoming an entrepreneur? Sure. So I initially just started helping my friends with their application materials because I was like, oh my God, that is a really bad resume or a really bad application. And I know for a fact that it's not doing you justice. And things kind of snowballed from there. I hired um, a few other certified resume writers and career coaches to help me out. And we are where we are today. Wow. And how long ago was that when you first started helping out your friends with their applications? That was in 2010. Yeah, October of 2010 is when I first started. Uh-huh. And uh, were you doing anything before that? or or? I was filling some projects for uh, as like a recruiter. I was doing some hiring management work. This entailed, you know, creating HR documentation, uh, hiring philosophies, payroll philosophies. So it was like very HR heavy. And then before that, I was um, just, you know, working as an editor at a scholarly journal. So nothing too exciting. But since then, both my recruiting and my uh, career career has blossomed. <laughs> <laughs> okay, well, that sounds good. And uh, basically, so basically, you just stumbled into your current profession because you were helping people out. And I guess you were really good because you realized applications weren't good. The re resumes could be so much better. And you were like, man, I have a talent for this. I can help people out. And like you said, you helped yet other people join your team. And as a result, it's grown ever since. Is that correct? Exactly. Oh, awesome. And uh, you've been doing this for 13 years now. And um, Almost, so, yeah. yeah, awesome. And so what is it that, uh, you know, what is it that really uh, attracted you to doing this business? What made you want to, was it that you enjoyed helping people out? You love serving them? Was it other stuff as well? I think it's really, uh, really fun to surround yourself by really accomplished and uh, cool people. And that's what I do with my work. Like all of my clients are go-getters. They're so ambitious. They're doing such innovative things in their respective fields they're fighting for what they believe in uh, sometimes and in other times they're making, you know, they're basically at the cutting edge of whatever industry they're in. And that is so interesting. I hear about things before they're even on the news. And I love that. I love surrounding myself with smart people. 
Awesome. So basically, you're dealing with people of all kinds of industries, and many of these people are the top leaders in their industry. So you're, you're, you're I can only imagine, but not only are you helping them out, but you're probably learning a lot from these people. Like you see, you hear about a lot of things before it even gets in the news. So you're learning a lot as well. So it's a, a win-win situation for both of you because they're helping you. They're sharing a lot of info with you, and you know you're helping them obviously. And it, it's, you know, I think it's real. And you know what? When you surround, the more people that that are successful that are at the top of the profession that that you surround yourself with, the more successful you will be. Uh, Jim Rohn used to say you are the average of the five people you spend the most time mm -hmm. with. So obviously, over the last you know almost thirteen years, you you have been surrounding yourself with a lot of successful people. So I can only imagine not only has it helped your business, you probably through them probably met a lot of other successful people, but also it's your personal yeah. development, your mindset, uh, you know, the growth in yourself. You know, uh, I mean, it has to. Have gone immensely up over the last years because all that you've been exposed to is that correct exactly that's exactly right awesome all right so you know obviously there are a lot of people especially in this time uh but right now where it's a bit of a difficult economy um you know the job market is not that great in some of the fields and people you know uh, are looking for jobs and one of the things uh that a lot of people need help with. You learned 13 years ago is, you know, mm -hmm. read, you know writing a good resume, writing a couple of consistent things. And tell me if, if I'm wrong, but I heard basically uh, most clients, because they get bombarded with resumes, they look at it mm -hmm. for a few seconds if, and if nothing stands out, they just ignore it. Is that true? Yeah, I mean, it's sometimes it doesn't even get to a person, right? Like before your resume is looked at by a person, it's parsed through by an applicant tracking system or whatever system they're using to make their jobs easier. Just like when you Google something, you don't see the entire website. You see like, okay, here's the title of the page and here's a little bit of what the page is going to be about. Similarly, this is how candidates are viewed in different applicant tracking systems. And the summary of information that's being given to these recruiters depend on their search criteria, your skills, how many years of experience you have, your most recent job title, how many years you've worked there. Obviously, this all depends from system to system and like the search input. But the bottom line is this, you're not getting really looked at or properly read through line by line until you get through that. So your resume actually has to be parsed. It has to have all the right words to get picked up. It has to be formatted in a way that it gets picked up. And then, yeah, when you're first being looked at, they're just looking at it for a few seconds, making sure you've had the right job titles in the past. And if you don't, they're potentially taking you less seriously than folks who do. And they're moving on. So at the very later stages, like when someone is really deciding whether to bring you on or not, yeah, your resume might get a really detailed look through, but it's it's really important to understand that there are different times when your resume is being looked at by different tools and by different people, what their goals are, what their objectives are, what pertinent information they're looking for, and how to visually lay your resume out so whoever is reading can quickly find the information that's most critical to their immediate hiring needs. Right. So that can be a bit tricky. And if you don't have the right job titles, there's a very high chance for you to get automatically screened out. But there's solutions to everything. Uh, career transitions are faster and easier than ever from like one field to another as things are evolving. And as you know, we are modernizing, it's no longer expected for you to work at one company for like 40 years and then retire. People expect these kinds of transitions and they value the breadth of information you have, but you have to be able to communicate that to these sometimes outdated processes, right? Mm -hmm. 
Got it. And so, uh, obviously, there's going through many different areas. It's a processes. So the rest mm-hmm. of it can go through different, many, many different things. Now, what are some of the mistakes that, that you would recommend to someone who's writing a resume who's, re- who's ready to send it to a company? Now, is it to make sure that they have the right title, that they have the right words to you know make sure it's being uh, noticed by that processing system first? What are some of the mistakes you notice with people when they're first sending out resumes and what they can do to improve upon it? Yeah, definitely. Not having the right language is really you know, it's a big mistake, but there's a way to do that. So if you haven't had the right job title in the past, but you've had some of those duties, you can include that next to your job title in parentheses. For example, if you want to transition from being a director of marketing to say director of business development, you can say something like director of marketing, parentheses, business development oversight, you know, so that it picks it up that, okay, this is, they have business development director in their, in their job title, and it can prioritize you accordingly and even to the to the average person when they're looking at your resume they're going to pay attention to your job title first and that's going to persuade them to actually not skim and read through your experience carefully now you're also going to have situations where they're going to ask for a very specific skill set maybe you don't have those skills maybe you're just in the process of learning them Mm -hmm. you can still add those skills to your resume by putting them in the education section so for example let's say that i am applying to a position and they really want me to be proficient in Salesforce, like the tool. And I haven't used Salesforce. So what do I do? I sign up for like a Salesforce course on Udemy. I mean, these things cost like 10 bucks. And then I put Salesforce course, anticipated date of completion one month into the future or whatever. So you're not, you're not feeling like, okay, I have to finish this education. I have to finish this degree or whatever before I start applying. Instead, you can word things in a way in your resume that you're being completely transparent and honest. You're saying, look, this is a work in progress. However, I'm not going to let this applicant tracking system screen me out because I know I'm capable of doing this. I'm going to be a master of this by the time I get to the job to the point that I can do the job proficiently. So yeah, that is a big mistake, not including the right language. And it's very easy to feel overwhelmed. Like, man, I'm never going to have this, how am I going to be able to get this kind of job? There's simple solutions to everything. Sometimes you just need to talk it out with somebody. Another big mistake would be like formatting, having too many fancy like graphs and pictures and stuff like that, that can trip your resume up. So just taking care of these two simple things, which is keywords and, you know, making sure that formatting is simple can help your resume get picked up much more easily. All right, that's some really good stuff there. You know, I like what you said about say I'm you know studying Salesforce and I can just put down the education Salesforce course, anticipate finishing next month. That's good because it shows you keeping busy. And that exactly. I want to transition to my next question because uh, one thing that's happening right now, especially since uh, Jamar is kind of tight right now, is that a lot of people out of work. So uh, someone says been out of work say nine months. You know, what mm-hmm. could they put in the resume? Could you just say I'm you know. Could they show they've been busy by you know taking courses like say sales or some other courses? Are there any other things exactly. they could any other things you could recommend they put on it so that you know so the employees don't think this guy's been doing nothing for the last nine months? Right. So the two concerns that people have when they're looking at an employment gap, if someone's been unemployed, is first of all, were you fired because you're incompetent or because you did something bad? And the second thing is I'm concerned that your skills have deteriorated in this time. If you're in the world of, let's say, for example, marketing, let's say you're in paid advertising. I mean, these algorithms change so quickly that if you haven't been doing that for the past six months, like you're going to have a slight learning curve when you join back. Like I hired this guy 
um, to help me with my paid advertising. He was on my sales team. And then I pulled him back and he was like, look, I haven't been doing this for like a year. I've been doing sales for you. So I need to learn stuff. And I was like, really? Your information, like your knowledge declines that quickly. And he's like, yeah, that's how fast paced things are. And me not knowing, like I, I definitely, I hired him. I mean, I, w- I would have anyway, because I, I knew him, but that's that's the biases that people have when they're looking at an employment gap. So there's two ways to fix that. The first thing, they're concerned that you were let go because you did something bad or you were incompetent or whatever. In the most recent experience, add a recommendation, just one line from your boss, ideally, or from someone who can attest to your work, indicating that you completed everything that you were hired to achieve. So let's say, for example, you're you're just you're a salesperson and um, you know, you overachieved your quota. That's it. That's all you're supposed to do as a salesperson. So your recommendation from your previous, like, let's say sales manager could say something like, you know, uh, Victor exceeded his quota by 20%. And that's in enough to show that first of all, the name of the person recommend recommending your boss, it shows you left on good terms, you achieved everything you were hired to do. So that concern that you were fired or let go for doing something bad, even if you were like, that's a little less, you know, kind of on top of their mind. If you're, if you actually did leave on bad terms and you can't get a recommendation from your boss, other people to get recommendations from our clients, maybe your client can attest to your ability to build really strong relationships, your vendors that you worked with, colleagues, people you mentored, uh, someone from another department, even because let's say you're, you're that salesperson and you're trying to transition into marketing. How cool would it look if that job title at the end of that recommendation was marketing director of that company, right? Now, the second concern that you let your skills decline, you can definitely fill that with coursework. You can volunteer with an organization that needs skills like yours. It also shows that you're involved with the community. Uh, You can freelance a little bit. You might not make as much money, but it helps you stay sharp and it helps you potentially turn that freelancing gig into a full-time position. So there's a lot of benefits to that. Um, There's a lot of activities that you can fill your employment gap. So then I have a blog. If you just Google career tuners, employment gap, you will find two blogs. One is how to talk about employment gaps on your resume uh, and how to talk about employment gaps in your interview. And I go into different scenarios why you might have an employment gap. Maybe you were just, you know, laid off. Maybe you were going through divorce. Maybe you had a death in the family. There's a lot of sensitive things that can happen that can cause people to take time off. So I break down each scenario, how to talk about each, depending on your comfort level, what industries you're going into and that sort of thing. Well, that's some really good stuff there. You know, like you, you get, you know, you could have your boss write, you, you you achieved your quota while you were there. Or if you can't get it from your boss from your old job, you can get it from your clients, vendors, colleagues. So I assume it's probably also a good idea. You probably, if you have a LinkedIn account, you probably have some people writing recommendations for you there so people there can go. look it up as well. Um, yeah, you can do coursework, show you've been keeping busy, volunteer, freelancing. Like you said, it's 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 showing you're doing something. And like you said, sometimes it can even turn into a full sign up opportunity. And and you have career tuners, people can look up scenarios for employment gaps. That's really good. Now you also mentioned some things to avoid putting on the resume, like you know, maybe too many fancy graphs and stuff like that that might you know not work. Um, so what kind of designs would you recommend? Uh, people put on their resume that will probably get the most you know employers to look at it I really don't believe that your resume should be flashy at all like the more boring and simple and traditional looking the better because you want to look as expected as possible right like okay this is what I expect a resume to look if a resume looks dramatically different from what I expect like 
I don't know, the education and professional experiences all jumbled together or like, it's like a functional, like storytelling type resume. I'm going to be like, what is this person trying to hide that they're using this kind of weird format to kind of disguise what their career trajectory is? Were they in jail for the past 10 years? I mean, like this is very pessimistic and frankly unfair thinking because, you know, like people just want to tell their story in a creative way. However, you're not a person at that point. You're just a piece of paper. And how you, you know, that first impression, it's being looked at with so much like pessimism and criticism and you're being compared. It's like you're putting your self-worth on a piece of paper and you're like, hey, please judge me and, you know, compare me to other people like me. It's it's not a very favorable circumstance. So the more boring you can look and the more you can just focus on the content and let the content shine, the better outcomes you'll be able to experience. Right. No, that makes sense. It may not be fair, but that's the way you are judged. So you got to be careful as okay. to, you know, how people look, especially that first part. They don't know you. You're just a piece of paper. You're not a human being yet to them. So you got to be careful how you do it. Because like you said, some people may think, you know, what is this person trying to hide? It may not be fair. Right. Just like if you're going to a corporate job, you you go to the interview in shorts and they may, you may be the most qualified person out there, but their first impression, this person is a professional at all. Whereas if you come in a business suit, they're going to you know, look at you you know, someone's more serious. So it may not be fair, but that's the way it is. So definitely a good point there. So next thing I want to ask you about, obviously, you know, we talked about resumes. Um, next, I want to ask you about cover letters. Well, what is the best way to write a successful cover letter that will get uh, get the employer to notice you and reach out to you? I think with cover letters, you know, don't spend too much time customizing to each company. And I know that's not like the standard advice that you see online. But what I'm seeing with people that reach out to me for help is they're like, hey, I'm spending like so much time on this. That is time that could otherwise be spent actually applying and moving your candidacy to more people. And I would say have a really great cover letter. I have a cover letter template that you can actually download on my website. If you go to careertuners.com slash podcasts, you can just fill that out. Spend like if you want to spend a couple hours on it, go for it. My template is designed such that you can be filled. You can, it can be filled out in 30 minutes. But if you really want to go all out, go all out. But once you start applying, don't spend like more than 10 minutes customizing it for each application because that's not going to be the best use of your time. With that being said, if there's an opportunity that's like your total dream job, it seems like it's perfectly tailor-made for you, you can spend a bit more time on the cover letter. However, I recommend taking that text and instead of just submitting it online where it can potentially get lost if the position has already been filled or if there's any issues with your resume, take that text and send it in an e email or an email to the decision maker or to whoever that department's leader is going to be so that they can be like, wow, this is, you clearly are very passionate about this. You have the right skills. Yeah, I'll make sure that your application is marked so that we can go through it. So you can give yourself an edge that way. Yeah, it's more personal. You're reaching out to the main decision maker instead of just you know posting it online. Very good. So I like the fact just have a general cover letter, a really good one, but don't try to like personalize every single one because if you're applying to 200 jobs, it's just, you're just wasting a lot of time. Focus mm -hmm. more on applying to the jobs and take action because I think too much time people focus on trying to be as perfect as possible, but they're, they're not applying to any jobs. If you, if you don't apply anything, you will not find a job. So yeah, you know, make sure, you know, don't be too focused on that. So really good stuff there. So uh, now a couple of questions about the interviewing process. So obviously, mm -hmm. um, uh, 
people go there, especially if they, you know, if it's a job, job they, you know, they need work, you know, people get nervous sometimes. So how do they overcome that interview anxiety? What do you recommend? First and foremost, do not interview with just your dream companies. That is a recipe for disaster. You're going to get nervous and you're going to be like, wow, this is my first time interviewing in five, six years. And it's going to be a very stressful situation. Try to apply to positions that you don't really care that much about. Maybe they're they're paying not enough or whatever. Just interview. Just try to negotiate with them. See if they can offer you more. Be your best, most ruthless self because it helps you see how you can push. It helps you acclimate yourself to that kind of world so you're not really stressed out when you do get your dream interview. And it'll kind of help you see like what's going on in the world of hiring now, you know, because things do evolve rapidly and they do work with clients that have been like, I haven't had to interview in more than 30 years because I'm so talented that people just scout me and then bring me into their team. And that's how that's why I'm like a, a director today or an executive today. And then they're suddenly having to interview and they don't know what to do. You have to, you have to keep interviewing. You have to stay sharp. If anyone ever offers you an interview, just take it. Even if it's a position that you don't really care about, aim to have at least one interview per year. Uh, even if you're very happily employed, because first of all, you never know if it's going to be an opportunity that's going to be really interesting. And second of all, you have to stay sharp. No, I, I like that. That's very good. Number one, just go to these companies, you know, you know, jobs you really don't care too much about. It's um, it, you can be more relaxed, you're calm because you really don't care if you get the job enough, but you can practice and get better at it. And then when you get the interviews for the jobs you really want, you'll definitely know what to expect. You'll be more relaxed. And I also like the fact, yeah, if you've been in a company 10, 20, 30 years, stay sharp. Try to go at least one interview a year. Just, you know, keep, you know, keep working, keep the practice up because number one, you just don't know. And like I said, number one, it could be an opportunity which may turn out to be good and that may surprise you. But also you'd be surprised. Uh, things happen. Uh, people get let go after 25 years and they haven't been on an interview in 20 years. They don't know what to do. So sometimes people think, oh, it won't happen to me. It does happen sometimes. I've seen it happen. You've seen it happen plenty of times. So like the idea, try to go on at least one interview a year to keep yourself sharp. That is some definitely really good advice. So the next thing, when you're on the interview, what should you be focused on when you're talking? What do you want to share with them? What are, what are interviewers looking for? Um, because, you know, that's something I know, I think a lot of interviewers would like to know. What would you recommend? Yeah, so there's going to be a goldmine of information in the job description as long as you know how to read between the lines and as long as you can look at their website and look at their news and whatever they're publishing and read between the lines of potentially what pain points are they experiencing and how you would answer questions is going to be dramatically different from company to company based on your findings. Uh, one big mistake that I see a lot of people making that are senior business leaders is they will not contextualize their experience to whatever that company is going through. So say, for example, you worked at very big companies, you've managed multi-million dollar budgets, um, you've had this billion dollar territory that you were able to penetrate and increase your market share. If you're going to go into a startup and say like, oh yeah, this was a project which had like a $3 million budget, blah, blah, blah that's going to come across as very intimidating. And they're going to think that they cannot afford to, first of all, hire you. And second of all, if you are hired, that you're not going to be able to adapt to their shoestring grassroots type of budget and the way they're working. So you have to contextualize your experience to that. Vice versa, if you're applying for a bigger company and all you've ever managed is like $10,000 budgets, 
don't mention budgets, just talk about the what you were able to achieve. So always put a filter on what you're portraying, even to the question, tell me about yourself. It has to change with every company. Learn to read between the lines to see what they're potentially struggling with. So uh, a startup, for example, you know, great things to mention or like a small business would be things like I can work with small budgets. I can create and set up processes from scratch. I can do implementations across the company. These kinds of skills are what you want to focus on. Big companies, you know, I can navigate through multiple teams with competing priorities. Uh, I can in input, like I can exert more control over processes that are maybe a little too far flung and global. I can bring, I can uh, use data to uh, make those processes tighter. I mean, it depends from field to field, but this is kind of what you want to be thinking about as you're, as you're answering those interview questions. And if you're like, not sure, you're looking at the job description, you're looking at the website and I'm like, gosh, I don't know like what these people are struggling with. I don't have enough information. Well, the interview is a two-way street. You have to ask them, so can you tell me a little bit more about what this position is open for? Like, what are you hoping to achieve in the first six months? What does a successful hire need to have achieved within their first year to for you to feel like, wow, this was you know an exceptional candidate. We did a really good job. Listen carefully because they're literally telling you what they want you to do. And then make sure you speak to that in your interview answers. So that's the in- interview mistake that I see a lot of people making uh, that does take a little bit of like mental work to kind of work around. But if you do that, it can really help you paint yourself as like the perfect person for that job. Awesome. That's some really good stuff. Yeah. If you don't know, ask the question. They'll tell you. Then you can figure out how you can, you know, you know, answer so that they'll you know you can help them out and show how you can you can provide the search that they're looking for in the candy. So the really good stuff, find out their pain points and make sure you can sexualize the experience with the company's going through. So put a filter like if, if you work with small budgets. Um, and it's a big company that you could just say, you know, I've managed multiple teams, big companies say, oh, this person can work in a big company. If it's a small company, mm-hmm. just say I've managed small budgets. So they don't think, oh, this person wants too much money. They don't, he won't be able to handle what we're doing. So yeah, contextualize it, you know, make it adaptable to what they're doing. And um, that, that's some really good stuff. So yeah, you shared a lot of great wisdom. Listen, Fatima, thank you so much for being on the show. Um, again, nice. you've shared a lot of great tips. And I know people listening to this are really appreciate all the value wisdom that you shared. And if people want to get in touch with you, what is the best way for them to contact you? Uh, you can reach me on my website. It's careertuners.com, C-A-R-E-E-R-T-U-N-E-R-S.com. You can hit, hit the contact button and you'll be in my inbox. You can also follow me on Instagram or LinkedIn. All right, sounds great. Thanks again for being on the show, Fatima. Have yourself a great day. Of course. Thank you. Bye-bye. Thanks so much for listening to the podcast. If you've enjoyed listening, please smash that subscribe button so you don't miss any of our amazing episodes. Please also leave a five-star rating review and have an awesome day.